0: Place but hope is safe within your name. This we know. This we know. You promise never to forsake. When you began, you will sustain. This we know. This we know. call upon the Lord for he alone is strong enough to save rise your shackles are no more for Jesus Christ has broken every chain Love the heavens and Of your word, this we know, this we know, every enemy will flee as we declare. are no more for jesus christ has broken every chain jesus name will break every strong He alone is strong enough to save. Rise, your shackles are no more, for Jesus Christ has broken every chain. I will call upon the Lord, for He alone is strong enough to save. Are no more, for Jesus Christ has broken every chain.
1: I think sometimes when we sing these songs, um, they're familiar to us, especially the worship choruses and the ones that we sing uh, throughout throughout the months and throughout the weeks. But I think sometimes. We sing some of these songs and some of the words because they were written much longer ago or are unfamiliar to us. Uh, This next song that we're about to sing, a lot of us know, but you might not know, it was written in 1758 where people talked a little bit differently. And this song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, there's a word in this song that I've been singing for 44 years and had no idea what it meant. (laughs) Here I raise my Ebenezer. Anyone? We're lifting up an old guy today. No. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Uh, Amy reached out to me this week and said, would you look that word up and, and understand it and explain it? And, and in researching, I found that the term Ebenezer is an only, is, is a Old Testament term used in 1 Samuel. Uh, in 1 Samuel, there's a, there's a couple chapters where there's battles back and forth between the Israelites and the Philistines, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, through Samuel, the Israelites reach out and call out to God. And they call out to God, which is what they should have done in the first place and in calling out to God he answers and he delivers them from the Philistines he and he alone keeps the Philistines from attacking the Israelites and so in answer to this Samuel builds an altar and on top of that altar he puts a rock that he calls the Ebenezer rock which literally the word Ebenezer means stone of help how many of you knew that i did not some of you did you're smarter than i am amy asked me to to explain that this week and you know what it occurred to me um I, i'd like to hike and I picked up this rock in Utah 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, 1998, went on a a hiking trip with some friends of mine. And it was a difficult hike, 3,000 foot elevation, two and a half day trip. This stone, this rock has sat on my desk wherever I've taught for the last 20 years. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded of that hike and how there were times I said, God, I need your help here. I had no idea that I had an Ebenezer sitting on my desk. But as we sing this morning, The idea is, the songwriter is saying, here I lift up the thing that I recognize you have helped me through. The situation you helped me through this week, the the, the problem that I couldn't handle myself, the the very essence of what happened this week, you brought me through that. You, God, are the one who got me through it. And I lift that thing up and say, this is how I got through, through you, my stone of help. So as we sing this very familiar song this morning, I would encourage you to think about what God has helped you through this week, thank Him for that, and recognize that it is only by His hand that we have made it through.
0: Come thou found of every place. by flame I shall stay Yeah.
2: the glory of Jesus and how that beckons us and calls us to be like him. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider yourselves nothing. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says, your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider the equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Get this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, let's give Him praise.
1: is our prayer this morning. A prayer of thanks and recognition that there's no one like you. That you and you alone, Lord of our life, are able to do the things that we ask and help us in ways that we couldn't even begin to imagine. You're the reason we're here this morning. You're the reason we got up this morning. Father, we acknowledge that there is no one like you. And we are so grateful for your love and for what that means in each and every one of our lives. So God, even as the lyrics say, show us Show us who you want us to be this morning Father, through the worship as, we, as we've sung And as we've lifted our hearts and lifted our hands And lifted our voices to you Lord, show us, even as we sing, who you want us to be As you speak to us through Pastor Brian this morning Show us who it is you want us to be Lord, as we interact with each other As we go out of this place today Show us who it is you want us to be Lead us in the love of those that you've called us to, Father. Thank you so much for the time that we have here, Lord, to meet with you, to meet with each other, to hear you speak to us. Lord, we just want to absorb every single bit of what it is you want us to gain from our time here together today. Thank you so much for how much you love us. It's in your name we thank you and praise you.
0: Amen. Amen.
3: If you've never had to pop a clutch to get a car to start, then you really don't know how to drive yet. It's one of those things that you learn you have to do. It's one of the earliest life hacks that some of us had to learn years ago. Life hack is one of those new things that we see on social media now, and they want you to think that they're brand new, that they haven't been around for a while. But I know many of you have been doing life hacks for a very long time. That's how you kind of get by and get through certain things. Uh, anytime a life hack or a life hack it's those tricks it's it's a shortcut if you will it's a novel way of doing something familiar and routine that increases your efficiency and productivity and i'm not sure if, if popping a clutch increases your productivity but at least it gets you to where you want to go in that moment you're eventually going to get that car fixed but but life hacks are, are fun and if you're on social media at all or you pay attention to Um, just things that you see online. Perhaps you've seen the videos that introduce us to different types of life hacks, those those shortcuts, those clever tips, those techniques that we never would have thought of that make things a little bit easier. Uh, You can also think of them as creative or improvised solutions to common problems. Uh, A true life hack is simple. It's easy. It's something that any of us could replicate or or can use things around the house in order to, to, to make them uh, do what they're supposed to do and make us more efficient and feel good about what we're trying to accomplish. Some common ones that maybe you've tried or how to peel a hard-boiled egg. The a simple one. One that we love and do at our house is how to unhusk corn on the cob. You pop it in a microwave for about three minutes, it comes out, you cut the end of it off and you just squeeze the corn and that stuff just slides right out. You got all the silk in your hand, none of it's left on the corn. It's great. I mean, we'll never cook corn on the cob the same way again. Using clip, uh, <laughs> Using clip hangers from, from a hanger that holds a pair of pants. If you cut those ends off of that, soften those up. Those make great potato chip clips. You ever can't find them in your house? You probably have them hanging in your closet. You see all kinds of life hacks of how to clean headlights. Now, you and I know that those, none of those work, uh, that they never quite turn out the way they're supposed to do. But also, you may not know if you ever pull up to the gas station, you don't know which side of the car that your gas tank is on. You know, on your gas gauge, there's a little arrow that tells you which side? that you can fill up the car on. It's there. It's been there for a long time. Some of you didn't know that. You just learned that today. So now look at your car when you go back out to the parking lot, and you'll see that it's there. Some of you have been living life hacks for years. Have you Have ever tried to use a socket wrench on a nut that's just stuck? My grandfather one day came and showed me to take a pipe, stick it on the end of that socket wrench, and all of a sudden you have what's called, come on, torque, leverage. And All of a sudden it becomes Easy. So we've been doing life hacks for a long time, and it's really not life hacks, that's called physics, but that's beside the point. But one that we've really liked, we talked about the staff this week, that's, that we all kind of enjoy, if you take a cupcake, what's the best way to eat a cupcake? We all like cupcakes, you bite into it, and the next thing you know, you're left with icing across the top of your lip. Now you can save that for later for a snack if you like, but the best way to eat a cupcake is to cut the top of it off, flip it over, and put the icing in the middle. Now you've got a cake sandwich. And it, it almost sounds healthy, doesn't it? Isn't it great that life hacks can turn something that's not so healthy into something that's good for us? Life hacks. In Scripture, we see a lot of them as well. We tend to read over them, gloss over them, not think much about them. But in the book of James, we see spiritual life hacks. So we're going to spend some time over the next couple weeks talking about the, the things that James shows us. The practical ways to put our faith into action. From the controlling what we say to limiting the influences of our lives to dealing with temptation, James gives us hacks to wisely live out our faith in ways that just make life better, easier, more efficient, more productive, more fruitful. It's a book of wisdom. It, it, it begins with teaching us how to overcome trials. In James chapter 1, verse 12, there's a verse there that when I was in college at Mount Vernon, a friend of mine wanted to learn, memorize scripture together. So one of the first verses we did was James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed he who perseveres when put under trial. When he has withstood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to all those who follow after him. Now, I don't care about the crown of life, but I do want God to be with me in the midst of trials, helping me persevere, helping me get to the end. That's what all this is about putting our faith into action so that we can get to the end, so that we can live out a real faith that will open up doors for us for eternity with our Savior. James talks about dealing with temptation. He talks about how do we deal with others, how do we talk with others, the power of words. And we'll get into some of these other topics over the weeks to come. But in James, we see this verse, if we go in James chapter 1, verse 25, and there's this phrase in here that we love, We, we love this verse, Or we love this phrase, we we sometimes read it and we grab onto this part. It says, They will be blessed. We all love the idea of being blessed, don't we? We ask God for his blessing. We pray that that, that God would continue to bless us and would continue to do things for us. But if we just focus on they will be blessed, we miss the before and we miss the after. Because the before and the after sometimes requires things of us. So much easier if we just ask God to do the blessing. God, you just do your part. I mean, to continue to enjoy life and kind of continue to reap the benefits, there's so much more to it than that, and James helps us understand. We're just going to jump right into it today. We might even get out of here early. I know you've heard that from me before, but today might be the day. We'll see. (laughs) May not be either, but we'll find out. James chapter 1, verse 22. And i will be in James chapter 1 and 2 today, and we're going to be in James the whole month. So you want to mark that in your Bible or on your app, or if you want to read through it this week, it's just a few chapters, it wouldn't take you long. You can read it every week over the next month. It would be good for us to do that together. But in chapter 1, verse 22, James says this. Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. When I was in high school. Popular shoe company came out with a new slogan called Just Do It. And we know that company is Nike. See, it's stuck with us for all of these 30 years. That really makes me feel old. It's been 30 years that we've been hearing Just Do It. And this is what James is telling us that, that, that Jesus wants us to do. Don't merely listen to the word, just do it. Do what it says. Read it, take it, go home, and do it. Live it out. But there's a part there in the middle that we sometimes read over. Don't merely, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And what James is telling us, it's so easy to hear it, to like it, to think it's really inspirational, but if we don't listen to it and do it and let it change us, we're simply being deceived. We're allowing ourselves to, to fall into the sense of false hope. We're to do what God's word tells us to do. We're to respond when we listen to it and when we hear it. We're to recognize the Spirit prompting us for when God pushes us, the doors that he opens for us. In verse 25, James continues, "...whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do." And there's that phrase, "...they will be blessed." You'll be blessed in what you do when you look into the perfect law, the law that gives freedom, and you continue in it, not forgetting about it, but doing it. When you put into practice the things that you've heard, things that God reveals to us, when we do it, blessings follow. That's not to say that we have to do things in order to be blessed, and we could really have a lot of fun conversations about blessing. I think blessing is something that God naturally gives in or out of response to us being in relationship with him. Blessing, I don't believe, is something we have to ask for, church. I think it's something that just comes as a result of walking with him. It just happens. I think God is not in heaven just waiting, well, I'm going to give you a blessing and give you two blessings and give you four blessings. Blessing happens when we're in the midst of a relationship with God. What James is telling us is you will be blessed in what you do when you're obedient and do what the word says you're following after God, you're listening to his word as a result of his grace in your life, all of a sudden we find ourselves living in the midst, in the center of his will and we find ourselves surrounded by his blessings. The greatest blessing is God's presence in our lives. Everything else tends to make sense when we find ourselves in the middle of what he wants us to be, what he wants us to do. Now James uses word, the perfect law. Now the word perfect in this context means complete. It means full. It means all that you need to know. When you look into his perfect teachings, his perfect word, it gives us freedom. It doesn't keep us bound. It gives us freedom. When we continue to walk in this with him, we don't forget what it is that we've heard, but we put it into practice. Practice makes permanent, we talked about a few weeks ago. When we keep practicing it, the things that we've heard, and then become real to us. This idea of forgetting, it's an important theme in Scripture. Go back to the Old Testament. In the book of Judges specifically, and you read through Judges, you'll find time and time and time again, the Israelites forgot. They forgot what had happened before. They they had forgotten the leader before. They'd forgotten what had happened before. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, how is it possible that a whole generation would grow, grow up and not know the Lord or what the Lord had done? How is that possible? Because those who before them were in charge of teaching them forgot as well. They forgot. They weren't living it out. They weren't putting into practice the things that God's word told them to do. They weren't sharing with others the great and wonderful things that God had done. In the book of Psalms, we read that we're to share the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord with the next generation. It's our job to pass on, to live out our faith, to pass on what is real to us. So that others don't forget. Let us not be guilty of the same thing of another generation growing up, neither knowing the Lord or what he had done for each of us. We've remembered church by doing, by being active. And, and honestly, we, we could stop right here. Wouldn't that be great? Some of you were thinking, you could get the Bob Evans where everybody else does. But what we're gonna keep going because God has more for us this morning. So you knew I was just pulling your leg a little bit earlier, didn't you? We'll continue in James chapter one, verse 27. This is one of my... Favorite verses, because it's real to us in a very practical way. And James writes, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's faith in action. Now, it's real for us because we we have brought in orphans into our home. We are a family that has adopted, and many of you understand that and what that means. And if we could just look, if we were to just look at that verse from what it purely says, then that might be what we would focus on. And we are to focus on that as a part of it. That's a part of having a faith or worshiping God in a way that is faultless and is pure. That's a way of having, a way of practicing what it is that we believe by looking after orphans and widows in their distress. But we've got to read underneath the surface a little bit to understand what James is really saying. In the first century, orphans and widows were hopeless. That they had no status. So, so when you, if you were an orphan or if you were a widow, you had no one to look to to help you, to, to rise up or to become something more. You were kind of looked upon as a, as a dirge on society, if you will. Someone extra, an extra mouth to feed. And, and survival was difficult enough, as it was, to bring on extras. That was kind of unheard of. What James is saying, religion, faith, worship, that God finds is pure and faultless is one that respond, or causes us to respond and to care for those that no one else cares about. Look at Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus was walking, went to a town called Nain, and his disciples, they saw a large crowd. They went along with him, and as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of a mother. And she was a widow, Scripture tells us. A large crowd from the town was with her, and, she, and the Lord saw her. His heart went out to her, and he said to her, Don't cry. What a ridiculous thing to say to a widow who had just lost her only son. She knows contextually that she is now hopeless. She has no one to care for her. Of course she's going to cry. Her, her life has no tomorrow. But Jesus says don't cry. His heart went out to her. In other words, she's had compassion upon her. Went up to her, went up and he touched the, the body. The bear stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. He restored hope to her. Jesus understood what, what was going on. And when, so when James writes to us, that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Jesus is telling us that when you receive my grace, that when you receive forgiveness, that should move you, it should compel you to care for the least of the least, those that are hopeless, those that are lost. This is religion the Father accepts as pure and faultless. This is evidence of a life that is truly changed by the grace of God. This is someone who really gets it, James says, who gives of themselves completely for those who have nothing. But then he doesn't stop there. He he keeps going. Once we respond to those who are desperate, once our our faith has been revealed as we look after, then then James also wants us to understand there's a verb in here, uh, the, the word to look after also means to visit, and it, it's, it's a very practical verb. It, it's an action verb. It refers to you're to care for, you're to be moved to compassion, you're, you're to be hands-on. Now, for some of us, uh, God has given us the means and, and the heart to give. We like to give money. We like to support. That's an important thing in, in the kingdom work that we're involved in. But for some of us, that's as far as it goes. I'll, I'll write you a check to go do this, Pastor, but I don't want to be involved in it myself, I don't want to go get my hands dirty. And what James is saying is is we are to be actively involved. Or we might say, well, I'll send someone else to do it. There's people that are better at that than I am. And that might be be true, but there has to come a point in time where we take a step and put our faith into practice and do what it is that God's Word tells us to do. James is saying you are to go do this yourself, hands-on. Be involved. Get to know them. Step into the midst of their hurt and their loss, into their desperation, Then you will understand what I mean when I say just do it. Go do something. Sit in the midst of it. Surround yourself with it. Then you'll understand and get it. Then you won't forget. Then you'll be able to pass it on. Then it'll become real. But James doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Once he tells us to look after orphans and widows in their distress, he then says, and then keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that word polluted means to keep oneself from being spotted by the world. To be tainted, if you will. To be contaminated or spoiled. Avoid these things. Think about our world today. So much in it that taints, spoils, destroys, ruins. So much in it that would pull us away that would distract us and I think it's important that we would pause for just a moment we just finished a conversation where we asked the Lord our Lord God or we give him permission to shape us and to mold us and to fill us until so we have to ask Lord what is it that we've allowed to have their fingers on us has it tainted us that spotted us in any way that distracted us from who you want us to be. That caused us not to hear or to stop doing. What James is communicating, he, he is clearly trying to get us to understand that grace moves us to compassion, but it also compels us to want to desire purity. That this intentional, personal, moral purity. And, and the faith is something that we just can't say that we have, it, it has to be demonstrated. We demonstrate it by worshiping God in a pure way that where we love others just as we're commanded to do. But we also allow ourselves to to be cleansed by him and avoid the things of this world that would cause us to forget. James is asking the readers of his book, do you have faith? Great, I'm glad to hear you say that. Now show me, he says. Show me. I was looking up this reference this week. I really got depressed. In 1996, there was a movie that came out called Jerry Maguire. You cannot believe it. has been 26 years ago. Oh, I shudder. For some of you younger, it's like one of those older movies. It doesn't feel like that. But do you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? He's a sports agent representing an athlete, Cuba Gooding Jr., and there's a scene in the movie where Jerry asks you, to, he's wanting to retain... Um, Gooding Jr. as a client, he says, what, what, what can I do for you? And Cuba Gooding says, show me the money. Show me. Go do what I've hired you to do. Don't just talk. Don't just say you can do it. Go do it. Of course, in the movie, there's this transformation that Jerry Maguire goes through. And in the end, he does show Cuba Gooding Jr. the money. And it's a happy ending. And I'll live happily ever after. I quite know of how that's in, but, but you understand what I'm trying to say. But there's this point where we have to show up, show God what it is that our faith looks like, what difference that grace has made in our lives. But I have a question this morning What does what's this look like? How do we show God what our faith really means to us, what, what grace means to us? Jump over to James chapter 2, verse 14. And James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now, this starts to open up this kind of difficult conversation at times, or challenging conversation to have, where we we now have to balance this idea of of faith and grace and deeds and works. Now, Paul very clearly says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, Paul writes, not by work so that no one can boast. We're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now it might seem on the surface that, that these two ideas conflict with one another, but they don't conflict, they complement. When we specifically understand, we've talked about this before, Jesus teaches in a very linear way. He builds upon his teaching so that when we get to the point where we're ready to finally understand and accept who he is, there's been this process of growth that he's challenged and brought us through. We see the same thing here. It's linear in our understanding. It doesn't conflict with each other. We rather build on each other. First comes God's grace. Then comes the works God's prepared for us to do so we could bring him glory. We put our faith into action. What this tells us is that grace compels us to do something. Grace is what moves us to be obedient in our doing. We just sang this morning. We, we, we sang this, Let thy goodness, let thy grace, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Let his grace and goodness bind our hearts to his. In other words, fetter is, it means chained or to be manacled to God. Imagine yourselves being, being bound to God's heart. What a great place. to If you're ever going to be a prisoner, that's the place you want to be there we find freedom. When your heart is bound to that of Christ, we become like him. We do what he did. We see people the way that he sees them. We look upon widows and orphans and we don't see hopeless. We don't see desperate. We see opportunity. We, we don't see someone who's lost or someone who's an inconvenience. We see, we see a chance for us to step in and to put our faith into action. What's your heart bound to this morning? What is it that's influencing the things that you do, the things that you don't do? How do we put our faith in action? What does doing look like? Well, it begins by being all in, by, by stepping up to the plate, by, by being engaged in the game, not just watching from the stands. We do this through many different ways. and We do this through giving, through, our, through service, through worship, through looking and seeing the way God sees our world. We ask ourselves, are we willing to have that conversation this morning? What does our giving look like? What are we giving towards? What are we giving to? What are are we supporting? What are we spending our resources on? And and, and this is not a giving message. That's going to come later. But giving is, is not something we have to do. It's something that we get to do. In response to our relationship with God, we're invited to participate in his work. And we get to give and be part of that. What are we giving our time and our talent to? our resources, our abilities. Are we serving? What are we serving? Serving something, serving someone. We do it every day. It might be serving ourselves or serving our families, and those are noble things. God tells us that we are to care for ourselves and those that he's entrusted to us. But are we serving others? Are we taking advantage of the doors that he opens for us to make a difference in others' lives? Are we helping? What are we worshiping? Oh, we might think, well, Pastor, I'm worshiping God today. Maybe, I hope. we it. Great time of worship this morning. It was beautiful. But we do worship something. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of conversations about idols. And we, we might tend to think or, or be deceived if, if we would have the idea that idols don't exist today. Let me tell you, we, they certainly do. In the Old Testament context, they might have looked like a golden calf or, or an Asherah pole, or they might have looked like a false god, and people would bow down and worship that idol. It may not look quite like that today, but there are still idols in our lives today that we do worship that conflict for our attention, that battle for our time, for our resources, and our giving. In my office, I have some uh, Pittsburgh Steeler paraphernalia. And that was much more attractive when they were winning. (laughs) And I know that they're not winning now does not bother any of you, and that's quite all right. That's okay. I can live with that. But it's so easy for sports to become an idol for us. Can we have that conversation? It's so easy, perhaps, for our, our cars to become an idol for us. Our things, our stuff. I remember growing up, I remember in elementary school, there was this music singer, artist. His name was Michael Jackson. Maybe you've heard of him. I'm not sure. When he was really popular, I was in fourth or fifth grade. Oh, there I got that twitch again. Uh, uh, and and there, were, there were girls in my class. They, they would bring his album, his, his vinyl record. Oh, boy, this just keeps getting better for me this morning. And they would ha- put it in front of them on the desk. Where they could Look at his face all day long. I don't know why the teacher allowed that. that was a, I just remember thinking, how stupid is that? But I just remembered the worship of this singer. It didn't make any sense. Now, if I could moonwalk, I might think differently. But 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 I but I can't. And we we, we tend to have this this sense of idolatry to things that really don't matter. We give our time and attention to things that really have no benefit to us, that can do nothing for us, spiritually speaking. they, They pull us away. There are idols at work in our lives today, so we have to ask the question, God, what is it that I'm allowing into my lives that's causing me perhaps to forget? What is it that's tainting my worship? What's keeping me from being completely sold out to you, from seeing people the way that you see them, from being pure? The grace, when we accept it, it is a free gift. But it's a gift that changes us. And it's a gift that as we continue to grow closer to Christ, it does eventually not grace itself, but our relationship with Christ costs us something. But what we get out of it is far greater in return than we could ever pay. And it should cost us something. It cost God His Son, it cost Jesus His life. Our response to His grace simply can't be casual. This is the type of gift that inspires and compels us. Grace moves us. Pastor Kevin Myers says sacrifice is the movement from casual to radical. And when we talk about having a faith that is real. It's moved from casual to radical. Jesus was considered in his day radical. It wasn't just casually sharing the good news and what it is that God wanted his people to look like and what it meant to be a follower after him or to be a child of God. It was a radical change in what had been taught for for generations, for centuries. But many today, in churches today, all across our country and around our world, we become comfortable with being casual. Let's not miss what James is saying. Faith without works, James says, dead. Faith without works is, is, is hollow. Faith without works really isn't faith at all might be in the process, we might be in a certain, certain stage of our spiritual formation but if we don't get to the point where his grace moves us compels and convicts us to be obedient, helps us to understand what it is he's calling us to be and to do, then there will become a point in time where it will stop being faith. It'll just become routine or habit just something that we do. be removed by what shapes us and what fills us. We just finished, quote-unquote, a conversation where we discussed how our lives are always shaped by something and filled by something and poured out for something. I I use the word finished in that context because it's an ongoing conversation. It's never really finished. We're continuously being formed spiritually into the image of God for His ever-increasing glory. It's in our formation We look in the mirror that we will see what it is that we're willing to pay for, how much we're willing to give, what we're willing to become, whose glory that we're really after. Where in our lives do we talk about faith but have no action to back it up? We've met people like that, don't we? They talk a big fight, but then when it comes to it, they just kind of back down. Talk like they act like they know what they're doing or talking about, but when it comes to it, down to it, they really don't do much. There's an old story I read once. It was, it was a group of men that they they get together every month, and they would talk about fishing. They would share stories about fishing. they talk about their latest fishing poles and their new lures that they got, and they talk about the, the, the boat they wanted to get and the places they wanted to go fish. But that's all they did was they talked about fishing. They never went fishing. All talk, no action. Why would we do that? We laugh about that idea, but how many, how many, let's, this is hard. I'm not trying to be, be hard or be, to beat us up today. This is where God's put on my heart. How many of us, we come to church week after week and we talk about faith year after year and we, we, we sing and we worship, but yet it doesn't lead to anything. We don't do anything with it. Is our faith alive or is it dead? What conversations have we had this week with others where, and I'm not talking about maybe you're out there sharing the gospel, that's not what I'm talking about, but it's, it's your, been your faith put into action. You, you've had an uncomfortable conversation or a challenging conversation with someone who needed to be encouraged. In what way this week has our faith been put in action where we've cared for the distressed, for the desperate, or for those that are anxious, or for, for those that are in need? What does that look like in our lives this week? There's going to be times where we don't have those opportunities. I get it. Life gets busy. and God gives us grace in those moments. But but how many weeks can we have that conversation where we do nothing? There has to come a point in time where James says to us, show me. It has to show up. It has to look like something. Where in our walk, church, is our faith dead? Our marriage? our jobs, we raise our children, and what we give and what we do, we'd be willing, we'd be brave enough to ask God, show us that we can show him. I pray that our faith today is compelled to be lived out. That we might even get out of bed in the morning and say, all right, Lord, Show me today how I can show you. Give me an opportunity. I, here's what I've found in my life. If, if we are bold enough and brave enough to pray that prayer, you know what God does? does it. He opens up doors, and, and we just find ourselves amazed. Like, wow, that was, that was pretty interesting. And we find that we are, we are, we're more prepared than we ever thought we would be. We find that we knew what words to say, even though we didn't realize what was coming. When we prepare ourselves, God prepares opportunities And I think too often we miss them because we're not willing to see them. They're there every day. If we're just willing to open up our eyes, just as Jesus did, see the widow who was crying and be moved to go to her and do something. Faith in action. What might it look like in our lives this week? What might God be trying to do? Your life hack for today just simply go and do something this week that you didn't do last week. One act, one step of faith this week. You opened your Bible last week. If you didn't, open it up this week. You prayed last week. If you didn't, pray this week. If you didn't give last week, give this week. It not to be to the church. Give to something. Someone. Ask God to show you. He will. Because then what begins to happen? and we see this in the church, as the church began to grow in the first century. It grew faster in the first century than we've ever seen it since. Why? Because they showed people what faith looked like. They invested in those that everyone else ignored and turned away from. Church, I believe the same opportunities available to us today will just... Do. Not a slogan for a shoe... Rather, a, a command that, that God gives to us. This grace that he's poured out into our lives moves us to do something. What's your something this week? I invite you to stand with me. Not too bad. They say you're out of here just one minute long. That's not too bad. I'm doing pretty good. Is that good, Amy? Amy gave you a thumbs up. All right. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord, for this invitation to relationship. Thank you, Father, for doing so much for each one of us. Now, Lord, as we get to know you, as we walk with you, as we listen to you, as we talk with you, God, I pray that we would continue to be moved. We want to know you more, that, Lord, we would continue to... Be, be inspired and compelled as you reveal to us what doesn't belong in our lives, what there's not room for. And Lord, you would show us what it is you've prepared for us to do. And that Lord, you would move us to action. And our faith wouldn't simply be words or just a, 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 a token offering that we give to you on occasion or just showing up at church once a week, Lord, but our faith be shown by the actions that we take to love others, the actions that we take, Lord, to maintain this this call to purity that you've given to us. Lord, maybe even this week, that action is to purge our lives of some things that don't belong. Maybe that's where we begin. Maybe it's to respond by meeting a need that we know of, that we've been kind of pushing aside because it might cost us more than we are willing to even consider. Father, I pray that this week, your Holy Spirit wouldn't allow us to do nothing. That it would rest heavy upon us, Lord, not to weigh us down, not to burden us, Lord, but to move us. Might we pray, Father, this week, what opportunities do you have for us? Might we allow ourselves to be led through doors that maybe last week we wouldn't have considered walking through? Might we allow you, Lord, to shut the other doors in our lives that we shouldn't be walking through? May our faith be more than words. Perhaps that's the best way of summing up the conversation we've had today. May our faith be more than words. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for forgiveness, for relationship, for your love. May our life reflect each of those things, make a difference in the lives that we're going to interact with this week. For your glory, Lord, continue to move us, change us, transform us into your image and your likeness. Add to our story, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go, just do it. Have a great week.